Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I pushed a button and elected him to office and up. He pushed a button and he dropped a bomb. You pushed a button and could watch it on the television. Those motherfuckers didn't last too long. I'm sick of hearing about the haves and the have-nots. Have some personal accountability. The biggest problem with the way that we've been doing things is the more we let you have, the less that I'll be keeping for me. Alright guys, this is Eric Mack with Liberally Correct. This is the uh, pilot, I would say. We're uh, we're live here and I'm lo- I'm in Los Angeles. Where are you at today, Brett Matson? I'm in Philadelphia. I think I think I'll be here tomorrow too. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully we get renewed for a second season. Yeah, I guess we're would... in charge of that. Well, we, 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 have to, nice. we have to get greenlit first, right? I mean, this is just Oh, we pilot, do have to get greenlit. So... All right. All right. Yeah. Well, we're so... in development. Yeah, this is uh, this is an exciting time being greenlit by a major network here. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, what yeah, are we the, talking about? Let's see. Well, the the song you for, you just heard was uh, from the Nine Inch Nails album Year Zero. I thought that would be uh, the, the song's called Capital G. Uh, I thought that would be an interesting uh, way to start out the uh, the first episode with the album called Year Zero because we're in new territory here, are we not? I thought you were going to say it's. Uh called year zero because that's how we're going to measure time from now on yeah that's the first one we get a new calendar i think at some point yeah well technically year zero did not happen so well this one this one will yeah we'll have the fallout nash to prove it okay so that's probably enough enough banter we are two millennials we are both how how, we're both 28 correct yeah yeah we're both okay so we're currently recording this Four weeks after uh, the 2016 presidential election did not go the way we thought it would, and we are not happy about it. So uh, we were both Hil- Hillary Clinton voters, and uh, I'm still yeah. with her. I'm still yes. with her. Still, still with her. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about who we are, how we know each other, and why we decided to uh, form the podcast. So we uh, we met about ten years ago at uh, the University of Miami, freshman year. Didn't okay, you I'll- live like exactly two doors down from me? Something like that. Yeah, I actually hadn't realized that uh, it was uh, our 10-year anniversary, so I'll have to uh, send you some flowers. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was going to send you wine, but now that's out in the open. Yeah, we've known each other for 10 years, been good friends for 10 years, and we talk politics a lot, particularly when over the past year during this uh, election cycle. Um, right. We did not talk, talk politics as much previously. No. Uh, I think 
If you're wondering why you should listen to uh, two more white guys talk about things they think on the internet, uh, we're kind of, in some ways, the embodiment of a lot of trends you read about, about millennials. We've both uh, moved a bunch of times. We've both worked scrambling odd jobs. We've been part of that, uh, that gig economy you keep hearing about. Uh, I'm currently working for a job that I, I don't even know exactly how to describe it. They're giving me like a card and a title and a desk and I'm still on an hourly wage and don't have benefits. Like that sort of thing happens. Oh, and I started like a month ago. So <laughs> we're part of that, but also, and uh, you can maybe expand on this, Eric, uh, we also have some kind of old man opinions, I feel like. We, we don't tend to agree with our cohort, it feels like. No. In, f- in fact, wh- wh- why don't you uh, go into uh, the story about how you were in China for a year and uh, I had to keep you sane from afar. Yeah, because this this. because basically our generation was was going Bernie crazy, and uh, and neither you or I were particularly happy with it. Well, I got some of that over in China. I mean, I was in uh, Shanghai teaching at a school that has a bunch of other uh, foreign teachers, so I wasn't like the only American there. You 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 heard a lot of people getting really excited about. Oh, we need this revolution. We need this new thing. And I just wasn't, I, I, when I started realizing the extent of it, when I started to see young polling, I started to wonder if I was going insane. I'm like, <laughs> like I, I think it was something like 70% of uh, people under 30 voted for Bernie or supported Bernie in polls. Yeah, this, this Bernie thing came along and that sort of took me by surprise. I can remember the night of the New Hampshire primary, there, there was just a tie with... Uh, I in in Iowa basically there was, I think Hillary might have won very slightly but um that, and then uh, Bernie won New Hampshire easily and I remember him making this uh speech and I remember seeing the enthusiasm and I was just like oh shit because I could see how how, how <laughs> he he had the enthusiasm and and Hillary did yep. not um and I knew then that uh we were probably going to be in trouble uh because of you know Bernie wasn't going to win, and uh, at least not the the nomination. And we, I figured we might have some dissension in the ranks. See, you were ahead of the curve uh, on that because I mean, obviously, I was overseas for most of this shit show. But uh, well, I, to be fair, I, I was I was in denial about it, but I I knew that there was there was some problems. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I didn't really see that until much much later when I saw that there it was a small number. To be fair. When I saw that there were still movements being made at the uh, convention from afar, um, I was still traveling at the time. But when I saw that people were protesting outside the convention that had already pretty much agreed to give the nomination to Hillary Clinton, that scared me. uh, The polls were very tight at that point, too. It it was one of the first times they had been that tight. And I was was terrified. Trump had had just taken the lead, actually. He had gotten his uh, convention bounce. And uh, yeah. he was actually slightly in the lead, in the lead that week. The fact that we sort of weren't uniting—I say we, even though I'm not a registered Democrat, at least at least not yet—I may have to be. Gotcha, be gotcha, be. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should talk about our voting histories as well while we're uh, doing an introduction here. Oh, yeah, that's that's very fair. So, whenever we're going to, uh, <laughs> whenever you're going to start your uh, political podcast, which I assume is something most of you do. <laughs> you probably you probably should be honest and talk about who you voted for and whether or not you've actually voted. And this was my first election, another millennial trend. I was a millennial who didn't vote. 
I didn't think that yeah, for how for how many years? <laughs> ten. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Just didn't vote. I grew up super conservative, so even though I could kind of got the feeling that Obama was going to be at least a hipper president than McCain. It was hard for me to shake those ideologies. So I just sat out. At age 20, it didn't even occur to me that I would vote in midterm elections. So so I sat out 08, the presidential election. Didn't think about 2010. 2012, kind of the same thing. I was, I was in Colorado. And uh, of course, I was in the very blue areas of Colorado because I was going to school. So I just, it didn't occur to me. I was ex- extremely naive. It didn't occur to me that he could lose it. Like people were saying it was a blue state I'm, or a swing state. I'm looking around thinking there's, there's no fucking way that, that Romney is carrying Colorado. It's, it's the weed state. That was actually the election in which they legalized weed. So like there, there's no way this is happening. So I thought, ah, it's safe. I, they don't need me. And I, and I just sat that one out. And again, again, didn't even think about the midterms. So yeah, that, that brought us to this time. This time the light came on in large part because I went to China. I saw a different way of doing things. I saw how shaky the world can be when you sort of step outside of the uh, the the West world that is America. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything is so safe and manufactured, and you can fucking get hurt out there. And I, I mean, I was in Shanghai. It's a major, major city. It tradition uh, regularly ranked on on global city indexes is regularly in the top ten. I think that's kind of bullshit. We can talk about that some other time. But the, but it, I wasn't in you know a podunk. What, what, what does that mean? Global city index. The I, that's not popu- an is that term. a population thing or what? What is that? No, no. They they rank. We can maybe talk about this more some other times. But there are efforts to rank essentially the best cities, the most connected cities, with like the best banking and the biggest culture. Um, so population is part of it, but it's also how much commerce moves through there. How many people stick around? What kind of work is being done there? The kind of talent it attracts. They try and measure that, lump together more art than science, I'd say, and throw together rankings. And uh, Shanghai is usually top ten. Oh, I think that's it's a silly. big port, right? So I can see that. Yeah, it's a massive port. Um, so I think those rankings are kind of silly. But I, the, the point is, I wasn't in the middle of nowhere. I was in this major world city, and it's still. Rock. Well, so something we need to talk about is the fact that you didn't get to use Google or Wikipedia or Facebook or Twitter while you were there. Except, you could, you could use you, them. You had the well, it's because you had a VPN. That's because <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the but, Chinese can't use them for the most part. Yeah, and they're getting better at cracking down on the DB. So VPNs. I mean, and that's a good, and that's going to be a big thing that we talk about both in this episode later and uh, and in later episodes, which is having a free press and free access to information. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to do this uh, podcast with Brett is because he's actually lived in a place where he's seen the effects of what it's like for, for, for people to live in a country where they don't have that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, there's this idea over here and I think I'll probably return to this theme several times during this discussion, but there's this idea that everything we have here is automatic. Right. Of course, there's a press corps. Of course, there's Facebook. Of course, there's and we complain about those things, but we also don't take any time to keep them up. And while I think Facebook could fall offline without any damage to society, yeah. freedom of the press and the ability for someone to make Facebook. But how would that fake news spread important. around without Facebook? I mean, come on. Hey, you're jump, you're jumping ahead of the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there'd be another way. No, the, the point is the idea. The fact that you can make a company like that based on pretty much even access on the internet 
where everyone mostly has the same speeds, depending on your service provider and your equipment. Everyone mostly has the same speeds. You're allowed to say whatever you want to each other. The company is allowed to set its own terms. Other companies allowed are allowed to compete with it on equal footing online. I mean, that's not automatic. That's that's very rare. The arguably the second most powerful country in the world not only doesn't have that, but is actively fighting against it. And so that woke me up. That got me into politics in a big way <laughs> this last year. Yeah, uh, when you were uh, over in China, I mean, we were talking pretty much every week through one of those chat apps that I forget the name of. WeChat. Um, oh yeah, WeChat. It's, it's exactly. their it's their Twitter slash Instagram, but it's also got a call function. It's a weird yeah, app, it was, but yeah, yeah, we, uh, that was interesting. I could uh, yeah talk to you like it was like talking on the phone, but you were uh, you were in China. Yeah. Yeah, I was having to kind of explain what was going on over here because it was it was impossible to explain. Yeah, to me, this this election was a total just complete failing of our democracy. And that's that's what we're going to get into over the course of uh, this podcast. So, OK, so we've talked about who we are. Now let's talk about the title of the show. So we're calling this Liberally Correct. By the way, I came out I came up with the title. So blame me now. I will. <laughs> so obviously if uh you know liberally correct means you are correct a lot however we uh I, i've also coined a term called liberal correctness you you have to uh you know you, you have to kind of hand it to the trump machine for uh playing the political correctness card throughout this election and i sort of see the the lack of standing up to that kind of bullshit where if you say something racist and <laughs> And you basically tell someone that they're being racist, um, that they'll be like, oh, 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 political correctness or whatever. Um, I saw this all all across the media where people were not willing to basically stand up and and basically call something what it is. And I kind of see that as what I call liberal correctness. So do you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, it's it's this idea of uh, politeness. The the one thing I would add, and we'll probably get into this plenty later, is that a lot of the time when they're not standing up, they're not standing up because it will get better ratings. If yeah. there's there's an idea, or, or they hope that it will get better ratings, and uh, and we'll get we'll get into this later in, in uh, this episode, but where I am going to viciously attack uh, the media and the basically just the complete failure they they are. But yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be very I- nice about it. But um, <laughs> there's this idea yeah. that uh, politeness is it's a thought that there are always two sides to every story. That's that's part of being liberally correct. Yes. There's this thought. There's this thought again tying to what I was saying earlier. And part of the there's part of the, the problem is that the media always frames it that way. You turn on CNN and mm-hmm. they always pay two sides to you know to have two sides to uh, every issue. Right. Um, and there's there's it, we maybe should call it neoliberal correctness because right it's the old school liberalism. <laughs> New school liberalism has no interest in what the other side is saying to its to its detriment. We'll hit, hit on that later. But there's this idea that, and all discussions are equal, uh, are, are civil automatically. Therefore, we don't need to really shut anything crazy down. We can just like talk about it later over lunch. Again, there's an idea that everything is automatic that we enjoy in the country. And that if you don't stop someone in their tracks when they say something terrible, like, I don't know, maybe the darks shouldn't vote. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you say, huh, let me think about that. That's a... That's a, that's a um, What's it? They say racially controversial or something. They'll, they'll always throw something like that to the bank. Instead of saying, 
wow, that is terrifying. That is some Nazi-ass shit right there. <laughs> Instead of saying that, you fall into this world where all views are equal because you don't have a conception of all views or of some views being literally policed by the government, which is a danger that we now find ourselves in. Okay. So yeah, we talked about who we are uh, and we've talked about the title of the podcast. Do you think we need to talk any more about why uh, the podcast exists and, and why we're doing this or do you want to keep going? Well, I just want to say one more thing, which uh, okay. I wrote this one down and I was, I was, I was proud of what I found to be brief wit here. What we want to do, we, we want to, we don't just want to tell you, uh, whoever's listening, which might be my mom, that probably makes her very angry. I've cursed and I don't like the president elect. So what we want to tell whoever's listening is we, we, we don't have a perfect idea of how the government's run and we're not experts in the field. We're horrified youngish citizens. So essentially what we're trying to do is episodically chronicle our own crash course in civics and foreign affairs. That's the real idea of this thing. We'll discuss these things, uh, and we have a little bit of knowledge, but mostly we're trying to get more, and we hope that you're interested enough in hearing us chat about that to uh, basically watch us research, find cool things, and uh, discuss them with each other. Yeah, and uh, and after we're done with the first uh, few episodes, we're, we're going to hopefully uh, have uh, some guests on the show. and Because uh, really... And one one oversight, uh, just realized, I never talked about uh, my voting history. We got into yours, but we never talked about mine. Okay, so I'm slightly better than you are as far as doing my civic duty. I, I voted for Obama in 2008, and I voted for Obama in 2012. And I've never voted for a Republican, but... In any office, like not senator. No, not, I guess they're getting pretty radicalized already. By uh, it's funny we're talking about them like uh, like ISIS militants. When were they radicalized? The Republicans <laughs> were getting pretty radicalized uh, in 2008 already. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think at that at that point in 2008, I mean, I was I was not happy with um, with President Bush. Uh, he's a nice man. There are some liberals out there who who think that like, oh, he was like intentionally trying to sabotage the country. I I don't think so. I I, I think he's a nice man who um, probably was in over his head and just didn't have a good command of things. But I I think his intentions. It was just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 wrong about a lot of things like not Uh, malevolent, not vicious, just just tried some things he really believed in that didn't work on any level. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, like the first election uh, I could have voted in was in 2006, the, the midterms one. And I I remember getting the ballot and then not filling it out because um, I had to vote absentee in that one. So I was down in uh, Miami at that point. And uh, yeah. So, but like my, I, I voted in all of the presidential elections, but I feel kind of ashamed now that I've never voted in uh, in the midterm elections. And until now, I've never really. The, part of this is the the fault of the Democrats because they never sort of make an attempt to give you a reason to to vote in the midterm elections. But now that all this has happened, yeah, I'm I'm going to be voting in every single election I can from now on. <laughs> like I don't care. Uh, yes. I don't. I don't care what it is. I like we have to. We have to vote. I feel so ashamed of yeah. myself. Yeah, I do too. This, like, podcast, like, this podcast is atonement. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what we what we want to do with this uh, podcast is just be uh, a voice of dissent as we head into the uh, 
I, I believe the Trump presidency is about maybe about 45 days from starting, about a month and don't, a half. Don't put it in days. Don't put it in days. Yeah. It's too scary. So uh, we we are it, things are going to be quite different. Yeah, we'll get into that in the into uh, episode two and episode three. We've already kind of planned out a little bit what we're going to talk about in those episodes. Right now, we're we're just going to kind of talk about you know what 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 happened. So so let's try as best we can to sort of put together what exactly happened. Now that we have the benefit of hindsight, a little bit of hindsight, a little bit of hindsight, a little bit of hindsight, what, what, what and happened a lot out of there? How do we answer the question? Of- what happened out there? And that's and that's going to be the question. I, I can't wait to actually have guests on the show because I want to ask that same question to every to every guest sort of like what was their yeah. perce- what was their perception of what happened out there because everybody's in a different place in their life and in a different part of the country and has a different Twitter and Facebook feed feeding them information yep. so l- let's try for the, the two of us what what happened out there what happened out there yes uh, i think so first of all a lot of different things one thing that people like to do on the interwebs lately is come up with a unified theory of Trump. There's there's a lot of efforts to do this. The the favorite one of the media, even though it has been essentially debunked like six times, is that he got white working class voters. And that, that one to, to me doesn't hold water. I, I'm sure he got some like white mechanics in Michigan, yes, voted for him, sure. But Trump voters were on average, I believe, wealthier than than Clinton supporters. And there were a lot of very wealthy uh, supporters of both candidates on the side. Yeah. So the idea that only that, that this group of people that have been completely neglected and had not been voting and swung wildly for him is, is I think, wrong. And this is where, this is the problem with um, these sorts of takes, is it's, there's a reason for it though. Many voters who did vote for Obama in swing states specifically in you know the Rust Belt, actually uh, switched over and voted for Trump this time. So there was a changeover from some people who were at least from what was formerly or still as a white working class milieu. So you can kind of see where that's coming from, but it's not. it doesn't explain the whole thing. And it's kind of reductive insult and insulting to all sides. Like, right. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the working class, I, I, I'm, I'm by no means the first person to say this, but the working class is not like just white dudes the working class uh, if anything is probably it might be a majority minority maybe 538 has something on that for us but you know they're they're if you're thinking about people who work in factories people who work in warehouses people who operate forklifts and are on the docks wherever they still have those i'm, I'm sorry i'm a <laughs> i'm a prissy white dude that that's going to be a mixed race group like it's not just going to be like by polish guys you know <laughs> I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you there. And the other thing that we need to keep in mind here is, I mean, this was so close to being a Clinton vi- a victory in the sense that, you know, she ended up losing, you know, obviously the three major states that Trump flipped were Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And too much shame. Yeah. She lost those three states by a combined, I believe it's about 105,000 votes. And, uh, yeah, I heard 107. So you're way oh, off. But. Yes, way <laughs> off there. Are votes still coming in, or or is it basically have they finished tallying them up? Oh, that's a good question. 
I think some are still coming in. If 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 they're not, they closed it down just recently. Okay. Like until recently, they're still counting, uh, particularly on the West Coast in in your neck of the woods. They're they've had votes coming until um, either they tr- they're still trickling in or they just recently stopped counting them. Yeah. So we have an, we have this situation where you know Hillary basically wins the popular vote nationwide by two and a half million and. If she had just gotten, you know, I think she lost Michigan by about 11,000. I mean, these are not big numbers. That, no, um, it's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> so we're very close to, it, it was it was very close to it, to it being a Clinton victory. Right. So on the one, on the one hand, like I, I don't, even, even if there is, uh, even, even if you do buy into the, you know, Oh, the white man rose up in this country, which, by the way, includes us. We're not minorities in any way. No. <laughs> but uh, even if you do, you know, even if that is what what you're preaching, I mean, it's still to me, it's kind of like, well, this was so close that, you know, I don't really see how you can paint this with that broad of a brush. Right. Right. But I guess we so we we shot down one theory. Or yes. At least we think we've shot down one theory that we, we both disagree with. We still haven't answered the question, so maybe you can take another swing at it. What happened out there? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Um, so in those states, I mean, I remember watching uh, CNN on on election night, and yeah, those counties where the cities are, like Philadelphia, Detroit, I guess Milwaukee too. Yeah, definitely, they were talking about Milwaukee as well, but they just didn't get as high a turnout in in the cities. Like they uh, like, like like Obama did, and it was mostly minority voters just didn't didn't show up to vote. And I I think this this is more an election about turnout. I know I was like the day after the election, I was so pissed off at at our generation, particularly because uh, Trump had at the at the time at the time he's he's since surpassed McCain and Romney's vote total. All yeah. the Votes trickling yeah. in, but at, and, the, at, and, the, at the time, it looked like he had, he had basically won the election with fewer votes overall than McCain and Romney, which was like outrageous. I thought it's just that it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Hillary got about the same number of votes as uh, you know overall as as Obama in twenty twelve. Now she did not yeah. she did not get as many as Obama in twenty uh, in two thousand eight. Yeah. Like uh, let's keep in mind these are these are low turnouts for both candidates because uh, the population gets bigger. That's, That's just what yeah. it does in a country with so much immigration. Oh, cross yourself. Hope hope there's more immigration coming. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't end. Yeah. Nation built on immigrants to close out immigrants. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. But yeah, I mean, there's still there's other. So so that's definitely one piece of it where Hillary just did not get minority votes in those urban areas of those three states that uh, Trump en- ended up flipping. And that was... And let's be clear, urban areas refers to, you know, just a certain set of population density, right? We're not... Uh, that we didn't invent. We're not uh, We're not trying to say the inner cities. Right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, that, oh, that, that, that was something I think that was pretty objectionable, that when Trump was campaigning, he was, he was basically... Painting all of African Americans with, with with the same brush that uh, that they all live in the inner cities and are like basically sh- shooting and killing each other. <laughs> it was kind of like, well, not everybody lives that way. 
Oh, we should do a research project because my impression is that that language was flying around thick and fast in the Reagan years. But I don't know no. that that's true. Well, I, have to, I have to go back and see that. I mean, there are a lot of blacks in the South. I mean, so uh, for one, uh, just yeah, saying. yeah. There's, there's like, are there there's lots? Of, lot are there of lots? Of, are there the lots? South. Of, and uh, there's also there are more black people living in the suburbs in America than there are in the cities now. Uh, and it's a relatively recent shift. But I mean, that's the way it is. Also, the inner cities thing drives me crazy because it's it's decidedly nebulous because it's essentially racist. <laughs> but it's 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 vague on purpose because inner city makes you think almost like, oh, so like the center of the city. And that's just not the case. Again, maybe a long time ago, it was the case <laughs> that minorities were shuttled into the center of the city where where people didn't want to deal with them but i mean now like can you imagine like like fucking harlem by all accounts is turning into a white people's zone. they're starting to gentrify i'm sorry not take over gentrify harlem like it's happened so this idea that even when uh minorities particularly black americans live in the city they live in like the downtown it's just it's just not really true ever even when more black Americans did live in a city proper. Uh, all right. Got that out of my system, I think. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's that aspect of it where there was there was some low turnout on the Democratic side. And also, Trump ended up doing better with Hispanics and with women than we thought he was going to. I mean, let's just be honest about that. Yeah, so I mean, Hillary still got a, a good percentage of the of the black vote, but the turnout was low. Mm-hmm. And Trump, she did, for what's worth, she did win. Uh, she did women win uh, women and Hispanic voters overwhelmingly. It yes. just wasn't as and, overwhelming as well, as hoped for or as Obama. Uh, well, yeah, and and Trump got uh, what he what did he get about fifty three percent of white women? Yeah, that, that one. Um, I'm still scratching my head there, but it just. It came down. If you if you ask me the question of what happened out there, I think which I did. Yes, you did. Uh, you know the the big lesson that uh, we learned is they it, it's about the candidate and not the not the policies. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Fried Zakaria's uh, column this past week was about how uh, because it, there it, it was it was about the 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 question of sort of what are Democrats doing to sort of uh, get more votes in the future. And one of the things they want to focus on is having more economically pop, uh, populist policies. But Zakaria was saying that uh, this sort of ignores the the essential truth is that people don't pick their politicians based on the, the policies they have. They basically pick the politicians first and then kind of adopt the politicians policies. Hmm. I think that's, I, I never that's really thought about that before, the right thing. but yeah, it's not, I don't think that's totally uh, how it is, but I would say that's close to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's scratching around. There's it. definitely something um, to that. Yeah. One of the things that, Hmm. That, that's an interesting take. I, I think that people, gravitate towards ideas of policies before the candidates are even there. And they're sort of waiting for this is not every voter, but many voters are sort of waiting for the candidates to say something that sounds like what they want to hear about the way they think the country should go. Sometimes 
um, it's like a term or a phrase or a set of words, and they're not really thinking about policy details. But they do latch themselves onto their idea of what a policy is. I mean, the, yeah. the big, the massive example is um, uh, Obamacare. I mean, just just fucking hate it. Um, I think I think it's an underrated reason. We're we're asking what happened out there. Yeah. Uh, I think I think just people despising Obamacare, especially people with a little bit of means. Uh, just despising it. And I, and I mean that. I'm not trying to be glib or use a euphemism. I don't mean really rich people. I mean people with a little bit of means. People who aren't poor, uh, maybe even doing decently well for themselves, but aren't in the top 10%, probably not even in the top 20%. Hated Obamacare. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one, yeah. Of the, one of the things, I mean, we talk about the Comey, what, do you, what, what would you call that? The Comey uh, announcement, I guess. Of the, of the that that they were reopening uh, the investigation on uh, Hillary maybe about ten days before the election, but the the thing that was kind of more underrated I thought was the um, the announcement maybe about ten to fifteen days before the election that premiums were going that there was kind of this the the findings on uh, how Obamacare was doing it was a it was a very negative announcement in terms of you know how how much premiums were having to go up for for everybody yeah. And I think that definitely played into it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I it's weird. You had this the situation where President Obama's um, approval ratings were rising. Yeah, that's the, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, that's yeah. The approval for his signature program was going through the toilet, and there there wasn't. It seemed like there wasn't a lot to distinguish the two. The, the, the thing that blows my mind is that one of the central tenets of Obamacare is expanding and don't uh, let me saying this make you think that i've read through the affordable care act yes all, I, I trust all 2700 trust pages of it yes oh christ no <laughs> yeah so I, I don't want to sound like an expert but people who have read through it or have read through a portion of it tell me that uh one of the central um, portions of it was to expand uh medicare coverage right medicare medicaid medicaid Okay, Medicaid coverage. There we go. See, <laughs> showing my own ignorance. That's my well, first research project. Me- Medicare is for people age sixty-five and over. Medicaid is for poor people. Yeah. You just saved me my first research project. Yes. Okay, Medicaid. But no, actually, wait. I'm going back on this. I'm pretty sure some Medicare benefits too. The point is, people. Could be. Yeah. People would have signs and will throw up on Twitter. They're they're doing it still right now saying, you know, don't let Obamacare fucking touch my Medicare, my Medicaid. Don't let it. There, there's. Oh, I, I wish. See, this, this is a, yeah. a yeah, podcast, get, so I can't you, show you. You get the. Uh, I don't want the government in my Medicare. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that kind exactly. Of thing. It's like, huh? Yeah, which was a sign at one point. <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's on a podcast. I can't show you, but there's there was a sign at one point. Someone had a Tea Party rally. Get your government hands off my Medicare. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. The, there's people hear things or develop an idea of how things should go. And I think for a lot of Americans, Medicare not only represented it, government fucking up and costing them money. Like a lot of times, government policies don't appear to touch you, right? This one touched people in the wallet. That sounds way more sexual than I meant it. Yes. It affected them. It affected them in the wallet. Uh, maybe this is not better. Anyway, it took money from them, so they felt it. So that's one thing it did. But it, but, it, but it also uh, stood in as this idea that the government's trying to help people who are lazy. Like it really fired up that narrative, I think. What do you yeah. think? You seem less old on this one. Well, no. I mean, when it comes to healthcare, rich people definitely will have the attitude of, 
I don't want to pay for other people's shit. And that's fine. If I were rich, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I would have that attitude, but I would, I would at least, uh, I, I can, I can at least understand that. The thing is I'd like, tempted. you actually, uh, but like we, we, but like rich people pay for other people's shit already. I mean, they pay for education. They pay for, I mean, it's like, to me, it's, it's, it's impractical to live in the United States today without some kind of healthcare coverage, just because it's, it's just too expensive not to. Now it is also, it's also impractical to have, a system where where you know everybody has health insurance too, but just from a from a making the system work perspective. But yeah, you 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 you, you don't seem to uh, agree with me there. But uh, that not everyone can have health insurance. I think we can. I think everyone can get some form of healthcare. I think we. But it's like we need to get this to work somehow. So if somebody is making uh, you know not a lot of money, if they're working uh, you know I don't know if it's a minimum wage job or slightly above that they they will pretty much have to blow their entire income on health related stuff and then they can't spend money on other stuff basic commodities and products and services that you know you know and that's income for other businesses that employ people so i i it's me I, it's me it's like it's sort of taking the money that gets spent on healthcare and then sort of spreading it around to the rest of the economy in the form of purchases I, to me that's that's kind of demand side economics in order to create more demand and so that so that companies make more money and then because of more demand they would have to employ more people to meet the demand that, that that's just kind of how i see it the issue but hmm. um we can talk more about this yes uh but we should probably get back to the essential question what the fuck even happened out there? Um, so I guess my second partial answer was uh, people looked at Obamacare as a symbol, a symbol of the government taking money away from them, a symbol of inefficient bureaucracy, and a symbol of people who don't deserve things getting them from the government. And so I think people have struck out against that too. Again, it's not the whole answer, but I think that's one of the things that happened. Right, even though a lot of those people who benefit from Obamacare probably voted for Trump maybe for that reason that maybe that Obamacare is maybe not good enough for them. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, when Trump, mm. Trump basically says like, Oh, we're going to replace it and replace it with something terrific. You know, maybe they'll think like, Oh, we'll get a better benefits package or, you know, better. Yeah. Uh, you know, when My it's like, when it's, like that... you, it's like you wouldn't be getting anything at all. <laughs> like, yeah. if you, like there's 20 million people who wouldn't be getting any healthcare at all. If it weren't for a while, uh, I'm care. I'm one of them. Should I admit that on the air? I'm, yeah. I'm one of them right now. Yeah, I won't get I won't get anything. I you know the Chinese are no longer playing for my <laughs> for my health insurance. I don't work for them anymore, and I'm not making a ton at my new job yet. I need that, or else I can't you know do anything if I break my leg. <laughs> I have no recourse. So yeah, it's it's I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. That's definitely uh, that's definitely something. So we talked about um, Obamacare. There was also the uh, Comey letter. I guess I guess they call it the Comey letter. That's that's the word I was searching for earlier. The letter that was like a paragraph long, saying yes, we're going to reopen the uh, email investigation, and and then like two days before the election, I believe they basically said uh, nothing to see here. Yeah, this was this was nothing, but it didn't matter yeah. actually because I'm sure. There were probably enough, like we said that Trump won Michigan by 11,000 votes. 
maybe 11,000 of those votes were determined by that Comey letter. But that's worth worth mentioning, maybe. Yeah, I I think that did a lot of damage. I guess I have a few hot takes on this one. One, I think the you said when he said that uh, they said nothing to see here. When James Comey said nothing to see here, she's fine. We cleared her again. Uh, you said that didn't matter. I think it did actually. I think, and unfortunately, because it was so close to the election, there's no way to really try and control for this in polling, as far as I know. And I'm not a statistician anyway, so when I say things like control for polling, that's just I read too much 538. But I really think that it convinced some people, not everybody, maybe not even that many, but I think it convinced some people that the government just um, was on her side and she was always just corrupt somehow. No one could exactly explain how, but she was just corrupt and she just wanted power and she always got off the hook. And that's just how it was. Yeah. I think the initial letter did damage, but I think the two days before election, when he says she's fine, I think that also did damage. Unfortunately, I can't prove that, but that's that's what I'd guess. Yeah. No, yeah, I actually hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, that's I yeah, that I I can't disagree with that. I mean, I think the most effective Trump ad, and this this is gonna sound crazy, I wonder if there's a way to test this, but I think the most effective Trump ad was probably the one where they said right at the end, uh, if you're tired about hearing of Clinton's scandals, there's only one way to stop it. Vote for Trump. I really think that was fucking effective. Yeah. I really do. I think yeah. that was probably their best one. <laughs> Number two was the the Jews are controlling the world ad because that was good and terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that one. Um, oh man, this thing was like in the last week they showed picture after picture of Hillary Clinton with a an odd collection of government bigwigs and foreign leaders. It it was strange. Like I wasn't sure exactly what they were going through because I couldn't really see the the thread uh, until someone pointed out that every leader they showed her with was like most of them were in banking, and uh, they were like all Jewish. <laughs> it was. You know, the Jews control our money. They control our world through shadow organizations. We got to stop that. Vote for Trump. <laughs> that ad was insane. <laughs> huh. Wow. I have to yeah. look that one up. Yeah. Yes, you do. Like, it's, it's one of the many things that would be hilarious well, the if other, it the other was thing just a that, joke online. Well, the other thing that's so cynical about that is, you know, Trump has a, his son-in-law is Jewish. And, you know, Ivanka, I guess, has converted and uh, their kids are Jewish. And so the idea that they would take advantage of that when Trump himself doesn't give a shit, obviously, so that's pretty that's pretty bad. No, um, I think he's generally actually not racist, except I think he genuinely is iffy on black people, because that's the one he's been consistent about for years and years and years, because you go back to his uh, his hot take, his full page ad in The New York Times about the Central Park Five. Yeah. And his comments during the election, he still thinks that they're guilty, basically because they're darker than he is. Well, I don't know. So he, I think he, he's. I, I, I don't think he still thinks they're guilty. I think he just he has this thing where he can't admit that he's wrong. He doesn't want to like, uh, you know. Huh. Yeah, I, I just think it's, maybe that's it too. He doesn't. He doesn't like admit that he's wrong in public, at least. That would be good because my take was right, right after I said he's not as racist as people think. I said he just hates all black people in the country. <laughs> uh, so hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he's just using that. But God knows if it will matter with the team he's assembled around. Uh, maybe we're jumping ahead. This 
still doesn't answer the question what what happened out there yeah so yeah this this episode's gonna go a little longer than uh than than we thought but hey this is it's it, it's, it's it's the pilot you know it's uh some it'll be, some, it'll some, be a, some shows get a two-hour pilot you know it'll um, be the first few episodes we'll splice and dice yeah so let's see so there was the comey letter there was a uh, low turnout the other thing which was we, we need to talk about this sort of data science angle of all this um, obviously this became a huge thing with the past two cycles with uh, the rise of Nate Silver and uh, 538 and this whole new type of data journalism it turned out that Nate Silver was deadly accurate in those two elections but when it came to the data for this election both in the primaries and in the general it seemed that nobody had a really good handle on what was what was happening exactly and even as we were coming down to the wire in the past couple weeks i could sense that something was was kind of wrong and i i think i remember saying this on the phone to you where i don't know if i put it like that i think what i said was like my anxiety level was just was just raised like the i'd like i just had this 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 kind of heightened anxiety level that just the the floor of the anxiety level was just always at a, at the certain level that was just not ever at zero <laughs> and uh, uh i that i just i, I could sense yeah. i could sense something and even on the day that uh, that i voted i voted the day of the election i, I was really excited to because i had always voted by mail or voted absentee and i I wanted to go do it in person because I was like, well, this is going to be an a historic election. Of course, they say that about every election. But this one was like, OK, we're going to put a woman in office. That's yeah, gonna be, that's going to be cool. And that's uh, cool. so also it shouldn't have been that historic uh, other than putting a woman in the presidency, because um, normally it would be other than that milestone, just a relatively centrist Democrat goes wins an election against a republican it's just in this case the republican isn't really a republican and he's threatening to sort of end the world for funsies yeah my polling station was this uh church down the road from me and i go there there's not many people there like i get to just basically walk in and then walk over to a what do you call it like a ballot box or whatever and you know i fill it out i i go uh, hand it to the to the person there and uh so she like checked the rolls or whatever she and, and she's like oh well don't you usually vote by mail and i i said yeah i usually and then i i almost said like but yeah i wanted to vote for the first woman like in person or whatever i almost said it but the, for, but like for some reason i didn't and <laughs> i just i was it was just it was the weirdest thing where i was like and, and the person i was talking to was a it was a woman and i, I was I was, but I like I wasn't confident enough to say to like actually say it, and because huh, uh, she's gonna win. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was it, it was um, strange. You know, it's like we 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 heard nothing but this like poll of polls saying that uh, you know there's no road to two seventy, and then I guess for for Trump, and then I guess towards the end it was like oh well actually. Hillary has 268 locked down and Trump uh, has a has a path. And then I think that was sort of where we left it uh, on election day. <sighs> yeah. But oh, better times. Yes. Uh, man. 
the uh, the better times when when Hillary didn't uh, wind up with what like two hundred and thirty two. I, I think I think Trump so got sad. like three hundred and six. Yeah. Um, yeah, he got three hundred six. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was. So yeah, we, we should talk about like the polling and just how bogus the this notion of. I mean, if you think about it, like it's just a giant game of telephone because there's no hard data actually. It's just it, it all relies on what somebody has been told, right? And it's and what has yes. what somebody has been told is not something concrete, right? It's not it's not I've actually voted for this person yes it's, it's i'm you. going to vote for somebody and or i'm leaning and there's no there's no it, it's totally surface and we're going to get into this later but it's it's like it's totally at this superficial totally surface level where it's are you thinking of voting for this person or this person right there's no degree there, there needs to they need to ask like a series of like five questions where it's like what is the degree to which you are committed to voting for this person, right? So that we, but that even, we can, but even that's not uh, that'll make it better. That could make polling better if that's a, uh, that's a possibility. But that even that won't be a science. the The science in data science comes in the sorting of the data, right? Right, but like, but none, but none of the data is is hard. Yeah, it's nothing it's is certain. Hard. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing is certain. So you're very you're uh, clinically sorting that which is unknown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's. I don't think it's useless, by the way. But but we we came to rely on it to like this um, yes, unhealthy degree, yeah. and so did the Clintons. I think they they had this yes, like supercomputer or something like that they kept hidden away from every everybody. Like I I even read that um, only like. Four people in the campaign had access to it, or something like the very top people. I, I didn't read about this one, but yeah, yeah, like they had this like secret algorithm or whatever that, by the way, told them that they didn't have to go to Wisconsin at all and not not to campaign. They didn't have to campaign there once because uh, guess what? It's not like she had a chance of losing Wisconsin. Wrong, <sighs> but um, well, happy times. Yeah. Happy times when we thought so. Yeah, I, I actually uh, we're, think, we're in uh, like we're, we're you know clearly we're in the early stages of of this data stuff, and this was yeah. just a this was just a a major fuck up. Uh, so I've agreed with you up to this point, but I'm going to kind of go to the mat for Nate Silver and then uh, pull that mat from under him and throw him under a bus. I'm going to do both of those things here. Yeah. Uh, first. With Trump in the beginning, he was dead wrong, and he wrote a long column on it. I, I yeah. should confess here, I read 530, 538 just constantly the whole election. Um, so in the primaries, they shot from the hip, um, mostly him, but you know the whole team, uh, and they were they were awful. It was it was just it was just terrible. Just very very wrong and in denial. Like he was late in the game saying he didn't think Trump's was going to have it. Yeah, but he did regroup and the team regrouped. And they actually, I think, performed very, very well up to up yeah. to the election. And like and they had Hillary at a two to one shot to win on the day of. I think uh, it was, no, I, I think, think it was it was four to one because I think he had Trump at twenty percent. Okay, it's uh, it's between the two of those because I remember this because I was watching it the whole okay. day. Uh, they closed at seventy one, so it's between the two of those. So like a okay, what three and a half to one? So and that's I think that was accurate if you were yeah, trying because, to guess at what would happen because if you said what are the odds that he wins three states that haven't gone republican in a very very long time where he's pretty unpopular 
like he, he's unlikable. He's pretty unpopular. What do you think the uh, what do you think the odds are that he wins all three of them? Um, and someone would say, it's, man, like four to one. I mean, he'd win by probably pretty small margins. And the national polls would have to miss, which they do all the time, but they'd have to miss pretty consistently against Clinton. And, the and thing, those the two thing things is that, happen. Yeah, the, four the to national, one is an accurate representation of that. Yeah, I mean, the national, the national poll is actually more or less accurate. I mean, like... Yeah, within the Clinton, margin of error. Yeah, Clinton, Clinton ended close. up winning the uh, the popular vote by about two or three percent, and that was about what they were because it was it was narrowing and it was giving me a hernia basically. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was. We're going to talk about this uh, coming up, but I was glued to CNN and I, I was seriously. I was recording like several news programs every day and just throwing away hours of my life that I'll never get back watching uh, news. Now you can talk about them. Yeah. This is news therapy is what this is. Ugh. You sacrificed um, your life to the cause to explain to us the media in 2016. Yeah. Right. Hey guys, Eric here with Liberally Correct. I'm just butting in because we, uh, we want to keep these episodes to about an hour. And uh, initially when we planned out this episode, we thought it was going to take about an hour total. But um, we're finding a lot of things to talk about, which is a good thing. And um, we sort of decided uh, that we'd be splitting our, our pilot episode, so to speak, into, into two parts. And, and, make it, and we'll make it a, a two-hour pilot. So this is the end of the first half. To, uh, you'll, you'll want to navigate to the second half, episode two, to um, catch the, the second half. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, populist movement on the left and uh, kind of why we're not so thrilled about that. We sort of talked about that a little bit uh, towards the beginning of this episode, but we're going to dive deeply into that uh, area in uh, part two. Um, we're also going to talk about the media and kind of the problem areas uh, that have arisen and uh also why we think a free press is important and uh, why we uh, kind of have a problem with a lot of how a lot of the ways the media kind of covered uh, this election and uh, what it means for us moving forward. So um, make sure you uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it so far. Uh, make sure you check out episode two to uh, close out this episode. Um, what we're going to do is uh we structure every every episode like an old 45 single, so we have, with an A-side and a B-side. So the A-side is the song we use uh, as an intro, and uh, the B-side is the song we use as an outro. So uh, typically we're going to use songs from the same album. So we're going to pick another song from the Nine Inch Nails album, Year Zero, called The Good Soldier.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.